0: Welcome into the podcast, How Not to Be a Youth Pastor. Kyle and Derek, your two favorite pastors, back for another
1: episode. Talking every single week, how we have no idea what we're doing. I'm trying. I really, trying? I'm really. i trying to know what I'm doing. Something about being a lead pastor kind of sparks in me this desire to like elevate my game a little bit. So I'm Is trying. That, are the stakes just too low in youth ministry for people? Maybe. Is that why? Interesting. That, that feels theologically incorrect uh certainly i think there's a certain text about don't look down on or don't be looked down on when you're young that that whole deal so something like that yeah yeah that's that's (laughs) definitely not how that should work but
0: that's fine uh today's episode sponsored by zevia zevia
1: the healthy version of soda that tastes nothing like soda but you feel better drinking it
0: isn't that kind of the same thing with like diet sodas? Like, like diet sodas have been proven to be like pro- arguably worse for you. Yeah, because they have but it aspartame has diet in it. So yeah, it's got it, no sugar, but it it's got aspartame,
1: healthy. which puts holes in your brain. So yeah, what's wrong with that? Yeah, well, half dozen ones, do the other. Flavor to this? Yeah, it's cola. There you go. I will say, all things considered, it's actually not bad, and yeah. uh, I do not feel as trashy when I drink it. But you're not a soda person, so yeah.
0: So for our listeners who uh, who don't know this, I I went the first 28 years of my life without ever drinking a carbonated beverage uh, or of any kind or caffeinated beverage. Yeah, uh, and I challenged our youth students that we do we do a big missions give in November every year. And I told them since day one as a youth pastor, the first year I was there, we raised $3,000 on this night. And I said, if you guys raise $1,000 for every year of my age, then I will drink pop on, on our big give night. And so the year that I turned 28, you know, the mark would be $28,000 and they hit that last year. And so I had to drink uh, some soda. And what'd you uh, have again? So we intentionally picked, I believe it was Sprite. Sure. Because and a lot of people are like, "Why would you pick that one? That's like the worst tasting one." Which I don't have anything to, you know, compare it to. Maybe it is, but it's not caffeinated. It's only carbonated. And so I can still say that I've never had a caffeinated beverage. Yeah. Uh, but I have had a carbonated beverage, and I will proudly go the next 28 years of my life before I do it again. It was gross, and I don't care for it. The one thing I've never
1: asked you, because I've known this for a while now, obviously. Sure. Have you never drank an Arnold Palmer? Never had an Arnold Palmer. Nope. Wow. See, because like the, the tea is the sneaky one. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know why, but whatever reason, I don't think of tea as being caffeinated, which is dumb, because it's like, mm. why would you think... Why would you not I think tea is being caffeinated? But. I actually don't like hot beverages. Yeah. not that Arnold Palmer has to be <laughs> hot, but I, I hope it's like not hot. Other,
0: there are other teas yeah. typically are are a little bit warmer. Um, so. You might notice if you're looking at the uh, if you're looking at any videos, yeah, uh, we are on location at Derek's church in our lobby, in Derek's lobby. And I yep. thought, man, that's a bold choice, but I love the
1: setup, the yeah, setup's it, great. I, I felt really good about the setup, I'm like this looks professional, the we setup got a nice backdrop, until good lighting in about
0: 12 <laughs> seconds when the Amazon driver walks
1: in. <laughs> I actually saw him pull into the driveway because I have a better vantage point, and it's like, oh yep. no, so
0: Derek's gonna go, like get that. And I'm just going to kind of vamp here for a little bit, which is, oh, this is great. I love it. Uh, and Derek, will, Derek will have to unbox
1: on the show just to see what we're working with here. I can't. It's not addressed to me. So just in case it's something I Legally, know. Look at Derek. See, I'm, I'm telling law. you, I'm trying to elevate my game. See, as this a youth impressive. pastor, I would have tore this thing off. When you look at the label, like package, Poor. Yeah, I'm going to open it. Who is, is, is is it Riley? No, it's to Bethany, our oh, office admin. admin, who's oh, okay. fantastic. So That's
0: fair. All right, we'll allow it. Uh, Derek with the ethics, bringing that to the show. I appreciate that. Um, shout out to great friend of the show, Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for, and for and our
1: delivery driver, whose name I did not catch because I was trying to not be a complete distraction. No, but, but
0: she was very, uh, I mean, she just like handed you the package, yeah. smiled and left, like very professional quick to the point and got out of here so we can get
1: on with the episode now right (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's always something I think last time we were on location at our church something weird happened too but yeah
0: we've had a we you know we've had some interruptions over the over the years there was one time in my office that I had to leave and you it was basically like let's
1: see how long Derek can talk by himself no No, it was okay this this was the episode Um, we did it at my house Yes, that's what it was. And my kids were in their room like doing their thing and they got agitated they started banging on the door so you could hear them like banging on the door. So I jumped off while you just continued your thought to try and like see if they can calm down. Yeah, that was early on. I'd say,
0: you know, like episode, maybe like 10 or 11 or yeah. something like that. It was, it was pretty early on, but that was, that was prime. We're, we're getting more and more professional as this goes Absolutely, along. We're rabbit yeah. trailing way so, more, but <laughs> that's also true. So quick question of the day, Derek, um, how many, this has nothing to do with the episode, but my Amazon favorite. made an appearance, so yeah. it's appropriate. How many streaming services do you have access to? Do which I have is access different
1: Then how many do you pay for? I was just going to ask because I don't pay for okay. any of them. No, See, who does? Th- th- this is a major problem. I shouldn't say major problem, but like first world problem here. My parents had Spectrum, which is like a cable service, so like DirecTV or whatever. And so naturally I just bootlegged from them. And Obviously, so I, Why had, you? I had access to everything. Because if you have a cable subscription, you have access to everything, essentially. Mm-hmm. So like, you pretty much name a streaming service and we had it. But they just switched to Hulu with the live sports one. Yep. And Hulu is really particular about who has the logins. And so if I want to watch any sports, I need to watch it on my phone and then airplay it to a TV, which is not ideal. So that said, we have Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, HBO Max, uh see what's tough is like some of those like just are overarching that like, Hulu kind of has its fingers and everything. what am right. I missing
0: uh paramount plus yep peacock yep um let's see discovery plus nope, don't have that one um I think that's it i am gonna go with six, okay we have six we so i don't uh i i don't have the list in front of me all those sound good we have discovery plus uh but we have a and, and, uh, you know, where this is the part of the show where all of the executives at all these companies to, that are to, to watching tune our out. show, yeah, they, they have to tune out yep. because I don't want them to hear this. Uh, but me, my brother, and my sister kind of all have a sharing, uh, organization. Yeah. Yes. And so we all pay kind of similar amounts. Uh, to share uh, Apple TV would be another one. Don't forgot have that about one. that one. Nope. But, uh, so we all have uh, different things that we pay for and then just share all the passwords. Smart. And everybody gets access to everything and we all Smart. pay way less. So
1: that's a win. Leave it to the Beshes to come up with some, uh, some scheme. Guess what, Derek? I have it in a spreadsheet. Of course you do. Because <laughs> why wouldn't you? You have everything in a spreadsheet. Yeah, spreadsheets are the best.
0: All right. So we uh, before we get into today's episode, we wanted to just kind of issue another reminder. Uh, today's episode 92... Uh, and so we do have episode 100 on the horizon. Yeah, we have, it's going to be awesome. some great things in the works that yep. will hopefully uh, be coming together. Uh, we can't divulge it. We got to leave it no, with a no, cliffhanger. No. It's, it's okay. going to be a surprise. For sure. For Good. episode 100. So make sure that you tune in. Um, for episodes 93 through 97, uh, we have been teasing that we are going to do a five-part series going through uh, some of the things that my church has been going through over the last uh, six months or so with our pastoral transition. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that. We're going to put a lot of thought into how we do that because our goal is not to you know just pile on people. The goal is not to uh, you know, make people mad or hurt people. Our goal is to be informative and and just be honest because we are not the only church that walks through what we're going through. And so uh, that'll be a really, really good conversation, I think. Uh, but today we have the second of a two-part series. Uh, last week, we talked about youth pastors doing too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, you have too much going on. You're working too many hours. Like you, you got too much going on. Can't delegate. Yep. And so today we wanted to kind of flip that script a little bit. And, and now that you aren't doing too much, we would like to
1: tell you, Derek, (laughs) you're not doing enough. And this line is so wide, right? Like it's one of those things where it's like, you'll never ever be teetering between not doing enough and doing too much. Like this is a really wide line uh, and I can't possibly add the sarcasm any thicker. <laughs> Th- this does feel like an oscillating target to me where yep. there are seasons. Because uh, in ministry, it's one of those things where you, you rarely have consistency, right? Like I think of Easter and Christmas primarily as, as a default, you're going to be working more during those seasons, you know, because there's, there's more events, there's usually more services, there's more stuff you got to do. And so uh, as people in ministry, we're coming up on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving was last week, uh, you know, like from now until December 24th, December 25th, whatever that looks like, it's kind of crunch time for us now oh, as, yeah. we, as we it's get cool ready time. for that, you know, like it, it's, it's This is not the time to be sitting here going, "Am I doing too much?" Like this is this is crunch time. Now, on the flip side, you know, you kind of have this lull from let's call it January one to February one, where you're still ways out from Easter, and you can kind of have lulls and um, all these different things. So, you know, it's one of those things. There are going to be seasons and days and weeks in which you feel like, "Man, I'm doing way too much," and there's gonna be days where it's like, "Man, I." punched in my 30, 35 hours and I ran out of things to do. And that's kind of part of the gig, right? Like that, that's just kind of the expectation. And that's a whole other conversation of you got to learn uh, how to ebb and flow on that rhythm. Like you can't get burnt out when there's too much going on. And one way to recuperate is when you are in slow seasons, you take advantage of it. You know, like if there's a naturally slow season, that's the time you take some extra days off, you take things slow, you prep for the future, all those different things. So I just want to kind of start with that caveat of, you know, when we have these conversations, I don't think this is a a you pick one date out of a week and go, am I doing too much or not enough? Because it's hard to discern that. Uh, I think this is more of a as a pattern. Am I not doing enough? Or am I doing too much?
0: Yeah, and I like the idea of breaking it down maybe by seasons to yeah. start this conversation because you know there will there, there absolutely will be seasons. Maybe it's like a two week period or, uh, you know, you could even break it down where, you know, you might feel like you got a lesser workload because you're, you have a guest speaker coming in that Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it feels like, and, and part of it is being, you know, if, if you are salaried, mm-hmm. whether that is a part-time salary or a full-time salary, uh, or you don't get paid at all, <laughs> which I guess technically would yeah. be a salary, yeah. Uh, if you are salaried, you know, there are ebbs and flows in your work, you know, from week to week Mm -hmm. that, that happens. But if you find yourself in kind of that bigger stretch where, yeah, like yeah, after Christmas, you know, we can wind down a little bit. Don't have to think about Easter yet. Although I will say, I think Easter is actually like March 30th this year, looking it up or something like that. And so I, I do think that it's dangerous to uh, just kind of put that off. I think Easter is going to sneak up on some people you're this right. year. You're right,
1: Sunday, uh, April thirty first or March thirty first. I'm sorry. There you go. Yep, well done. So
0: yeah, it's going to be you know you're like oh, January. I got time until Easter, and then February is going to hit, and it's like no, Easter is next month. Right. So yep. you're gonna you're gonna definitely have to have to make sure you're up on that. But I, I think that all that to say when you are in one of those lull seasons i think that time management and planning ahead is something that is is going to be really really important because if you're if you're not planning ahead in those seasons yeah. then the next season comes and you're doing too much right and so i think balancing it out a little bit is is part of what is needed you know in order to avoid both extremes
1: i uh I would classify myself as a runner. Um, I'm not one of the diehards who runs every single day throughout the winter and everything else. But as a general rule of thumb, I would consider myself a runner. Um, and there's been a lot of parallels with just working and running because it is one of those things of like, when you think of running up a hill or down a hill, when you're running down a hill, you lengthen your stride to maximize your time when you or to maximize your your energy. When you run up a hill, you shorten your stride, uh, but you don't stop running, you know, because you have to keep on going. And when I think of these seasons of lulls, uh, if you were to go to go with this analogy, when you were tired of running, if you just stopped and just walked for a while, when you picked back up, you're going to be dogging it because Mm -hmm. you're now behind and you're playing catch-up. Whereas if you were to just strategically slow down a little bit, you can conserve your energy while still going forward, so that you can push for that next time. And that is, that's really kind of what I have learned. Is you know, this is where kind of how your schedule and my schedule have kind of diverged in our different roles. For you, I would say summertime is one of your busier seasons of your of your ministry. You have mission teams, you have camps, you have you know meetings with students. There's summertime for a youth pastor is not for the faint of heart. It's a lot of Moving parts, and it's all great stuff. It's awesome, but it's a lot of time commitment. Whereas, for someone like in my role here in Minnesota, as a general rule of thumb, church life slows down in the summer. So this last summer, you know, while it was slower, there were weeks where I took a random day off here and there and just hung out at home and just recharged my batteries. But there were also things that I did, like I revamped some of our systems of in terms of how we do our leadership stuff. I mapped out some sermon series stuff for the future. Um, I kind of started looking at some long-term big picture budget things, all those things that need to be done. But if you wait to do them until they have to be done, odds are they're gonna stack up when you're trying to prepare, like let's call it what it is now, it's almost December. And so now it's time to look at the 2024 budget. It's time to review the 2023 budget. And if you start prepping that stuff right now in conjunction with getting ready for Christmas, you're going to pull your hair out. You know? So that's why that's where it's that balance of you need to slow down and rest and not do any work and take those slow seasons intentionally, but also not pulling on the reins so much that you put yourself at a disservice and a disadvantage in months to come.
0: Yeah. We, I I like the budget piece at our church. We have to have our ministry budget submitted to the board in October So then they can like the beginning of October and then they can pull everything together, tie up loose ends. And by December they've approved the 2024 budget in theory. Uh, And so that's, that's a healthy timeline I'd say, Yep. you know, by the end of, or by, you know, you got nine months of 2023 already in the books where you could, okay, I've got a pretty good idea of what my needs are for 2024. And you can kind of go from there. Uh, You know, even from a sermon planning perspective, I love the idea of, Hey, I'm going to map out some sermon series for the next year. Typically for me, like Derek mentioned over the summer, it's, it's, it's hurry up and then it's slow and then it's hurry up and then slow. Cause I got mission teams I'm doing and all these different things but I also preach less over the summer than I do yeah. during the school year. And so there's less of that that's going into it. Um, for those of you that have ever been on like four five, six hour plane rides before, uh, there's a lot of dead time. And so I do typically, uh, I, I typically will... S- Map out the sermon series for the next school year during the summer so that when August rolls around, I'm like, yep, starting September, we're doing this series, yeah. and we're doing this series. And I will intentionally put blank weeks in there. And I, you know, because hey, the Holy Spirit's going to put something on my heart, and uh, or I'm going to see a need with our students, yeah, and I'm going to put that sermon in there. Or I'm just like, hey, we're going to switch up this series, make it shorter, make it longer, take this series out entirely. I don't necessarily, you know, have to live and die by that schedule, mm-hmm. but it allows way more freedom throughout the rest of my school year when I've already got some of this stuff oh, mapped out. And, and just It the, is
1: game-changing. The mental load alone is so nice. You know, when you feel like you have to come up with stuff, uh, it, it's pressure. You know, if you're in a season of, you know, we, we work in youth ministry and ministry in general. It's not predictable. If you have a family crisis, an emergency that comes up and you have to be out of your routine for a day, two at a time, and all of a sudden now you're trying to figure out what am I going to preach about next Wednesday, it really puts the pressure on. Whereas if you know this is where I'm going, it really takes that pressure off. On top of when you can see things from a 10,000 foot view and you know where you're going throughout the year you really have a good scope and sequence and it's not just six months of looking at the gifts of the spirit or, you know, one thing or the other. So, yeah.
0: What about, so if you, cause I want to dive even deeper on that uh, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. Love it. How many hours per week would you say you spend working on your sermon and how many hours per week do you wish you worked
1: on your sermon? Well, and, and that's, that's the ever that's actually something I'm like working on right now um, just because I would say right now as a general rule of thumb, I would say on on the the low side of sermon prep for me, I'm looking at, seven, eight hours a week, yeah. um, you know, just cause, and I'm, I'm including there some, that's not just me sitting down and typing that, but, right. that, but that's studying, yeah. that's reading, that's oh, praying yeah. through the text, all that, all that different stuff. Um, I would say six, seven, eight is kind of like on the lower end. Um, I think depending on how the sermon's landing, kind of how it's coming together, how I'm processing through it, I think that you're looking at uh, upwards of 12 to 15, depending on the time. Um, and and, and there's, there's a lot of different, it's so funny, you know, you go through Bible college and you, they give us these books and there's all these different theories. I've seen theories of you should be working 20, 30, 40 hours on your sermon every week. That's one camp from someone that's, you know, a high level leader, very successful. And then you read another one who goes, I spend four hours max because I want to spend the rest of my time interacting with people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they both have validity, you know? Yeah. So you, you have yeah. to figure out like what is your rhythm and what is your 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 kind of stride with that. But I, I do particularly love sermon prep as a general rule of thumb. So I wish I focused on it more just because I do enjoy it. But um, just a little kind of something I'm learning in my personal life is... I really believe that your ministry and your speaking really should be an overflow out of what you're doing in, in your own personal walk, mm-hmm. you know? And so this is just kind of a, a conviction and a challenge that God kind of put on my heart recently is, you know, when I prepare a sermon, I'm digging out commentaries. I'm looking at, you know, different, you know, word studies, blueletterbible.com, all these different things for the sermon. And I kind of got a slap in the face from the Holy Spirit a little while ago cuz he was like why do you never do that in your personal mm-hmm. study? You know, yeah. you, you do your devos, you do your study of time, but why do you not put that much diligence into your personal study of my word? And you know, that that really kind of challenged me because realistically, if we are speaking out of the overflow of our personal walk that sermon prep time shouldn't be as long because it's something we've already processed through something we've prayed through and we're just sharing that with our our people and so that's a really long answer to the one question you asked but I would say to sum it up eight to let's call it 14 hours is my sermon prep time I Mm -hmm. bet I was a little bit more than that if I had my way but yeah.
0: That's where I'm at. Um, so real quick, uh, shout out to episode 79. Uh, if you want to go back and listen, uh, Derek and I had some really...
1: Love that episode. You have no you, clue which one no it is. <laughs> uh,
0: that was the one, that was the last one of season two when we were talking about how to start a Bible study. Oh but, yeah. Uh, great references uh, and recommendations we can make on uh, different things that you you know, tools people can use to to study the Bible. You mentioned a couple there, but uh, I, I love that. Uh, I would probably agree like that 10 to 12 hour range is, you know, where like, like that's kind of the sweet spot for Mm me. Um, Doesn't always happen. uh, And, and sometimes it's way more than that. But uh, I, I think that for pastors and, and this is true on any level, if you are speaking on a regular basis if you can spend more time uh, or if you can, if you can spend time up front, you know, at the beginning of the year, beginning of the school year, whatever yeah. it is, mapping out some of the sermon series. Hey, this is I'm going to go chapter by chapter through Ephesians sure. for six weeks. Yep, I'm going to go through the fruit of the spirit. I'm going to go through the armor of God and talk about why is there no pants in the armor <laughs> of God. Uh, whatever your series is going to be, uh, there's a belt, but it ain't holding anything yeah. up. Uh, whatever your series is going to be. If you already have that mapped out, that allows you to take that 10 to 12 hours a week and and dive right in further deeper more concentrated mm-hmm. on the actual text or topic that you are preaching on. Uh, it's gonna make your sermons better yeah. because you don't have to spend any time that week contemplating, twiddling your thumbs. What am I gonna preach on this right. week? You already know. Mm-hmm. And if it's an off week, you've like I, I believe that the Holy Spirit has put something on your heart in your personal time in the last four months that yep. you know you've got an overflow of options. Right. I had a I had somebody ask me one time who's like they're they had a relative in ministry and who, who was a lead pastor. And so this person preached on a regular basis. And, and this person asked me like, how do you, how do you come up with something every week? And it, I basically, my answer was the day that I don't have anything to preach about, I should probably step away Mm -hmm. because I agree a hundred percent with what Derek is saying. Our like ministry is an overflow Mm -hmm. You know, the sermons you're preaching, the the relationships you're building, it's all an overflow out of what God is doing in your own life. Yeah. And if I run out of things to preach on a Wednesday night, it's probably because long before that, you know, the well dried up in my personal life. Yeah. And so that's I was like, man, I I do not have a Deficit of things to preach mm-hmm. about. I don't have enough Wednesday nights right. for the things that I want to preach about, and so I think if you spend more time, uh, you know, mapping stuff out uh, in, in some of those lull periods, then I think that you can get a little bit deeper, uh, and more focused when the actual, you know, week of prep comes, uh, it's, it's going to spread your workout so that you actually have stuff you're doing in some of the lull times. But then it also, I mean, maybe we got some listeners that preach on a regular basis and it's, you know, one to two hours that they're putting in. Yeah. Like I would challenge you to put more in mm-hmm. like Derek and I, I like, I've known Derek long enough to know that he is not exaggerating. And I know that I am not exaggerating mm-hmm. when we talk about, you know, 10 to 12, eight to 14, whatever, like I'm yeah. just going to use 10 to 12. Cause it's in the middle there, but yeah, uh, we're not exaggerating. We're not lying. Like we actually yeah. spend that amount of time in the text, in our word documents. Like yeah. we've got a lot of resources we are reading through so that when you get up on a, on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning to preach, it is, I mean, it's an overflow out of your own personal time with yeah. the Lord, but it's also an overflow of all of that,
1: all of those hours that you spent with yeah. that material that week. Well, and it's, it's a delicate obligation responsibility you have to bear, but you can't underestimate the responsibility you have when you get on a stage. Like I think about all the things that like my youth pastor said to me that stick with me to this day. And they were uttered 10, 12 years ago, you know? And it's like, if you are just going off like by the seat, you know, by the seat why, why, why can I come up like flying by the seat of your pants? There Gosh, you go. I couldn't yep. get that that off my tongue. You know, if you're not taking this seriously, like, I'm sorry, but like that, that's a big deal. You know, like like the Lord's entrusting you with a powerful position and you have to like take that seriously because you'll be judged accordingly. You know, like it's I, real.
0: Yeah. I had, I had a student get a tattoo. Based off of something that I said. That's impressive. Like, and and I was like, it was it was cool and terrifying. Yeah, all at the right. same time. But that, like, that's the level of, uh, not commitment, but that that's the level of responsibility that yeah. Derek's talking about here. Like, there's great weight that yep. comes with your words when you are preaching, and if you are not putting the appropriate amount of time into the preparation, then the weight behind the word, like the words that the weight is carrying is yeah. going to go in the wrong spot. Right. And, and you don't want that.
1: Well, and if that scares you a little bit and it kind of makes you feel like that's a little heavy, then that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Because what I've learned is it's in those moments where I'm like, who am I? You know, that's mm-hmm. when it's like, you know... I just echo the words of Gideon, like, like, who am I, you know? And what does the Lord say? Like, I will be with you, you know, you will do this. And I just think that, you know, it is a big responsibility, but that's exactly the point. It's bigger than you. So you better rely on him and his grace to speak through you.
0: Yeah, there's a fine line in the, because Gideon has the, You know, the kind of line, like, who am I that that you should, but, but he also says like, like, let's go. I'll do it. Uh And and you have Moses that kind of begins with this. Who am I that you'd pick me Lord? And he kind of ends (laughs) it with God just send somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and so we want to make sure that we fall on the Gideon side right. of that uh-huh. line and not the Moses side. But I agree. There's it's it's a healthy respect for the role. Yeah, I think is is what that looks like. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to talk uh, Derek through something in the in our document here that I think is really really good. Uh, if you do not have, like you hit you hit a a slow week or or whatnot, you've got some extra time on your hands. Expand your thought process past your own ministry. Like, hey, is there maybe another ministry at the church? Somebody else here that that has got a big project coming up, big event coming up yeah. that I could help out. I right. like that idea.
1: Yeah, because if you only are siloing yourself off and only focusing on your ministry one, there's some kind of pride rises up inside of you if you kind of feel like my ministry is more important than every other, which is not the case. Secondly, you know, what's the golden rule? Like do to others what you'd have them do to you. Like if, if you are not helping other people, you can't expect to get help from other things, you know? And uh, I, I really have, have felt this as uh, a lead pastor now, just because there are so many things that you don't realize kind of fall under the umbrella of like, like, then this is true of not just a lead pastor, but like if you are the one who's overseeing your youth ministry, you understand youth ministry is not just game, worship, small groups, message, Like, that's what people think it is. Like, if you have those four things, great. But it's also, you got to reach out to students. You got to make sure your youth room or your youth space is set up every single Wednesday. You got to make sure it's put together back at the end of the thing. If something breaks, you got to replace it. You got to figure out if you're going to a camp or a retreat, you're the one calling the bus company. You're the one booking the hotels. You're the one following up with them when they overbook you or underbook you. Like, there's so much more stuff that no one thinks about, you know? And so- if you realize that in your youth ministry, you have to understand that same exact thing is happening to every other person that you work with, you know? And so I've, I've just noticed as my team here at our church does a phenomenal job of this, of there are so many things they do without even thinking that are just so, so helpful to me. Um, you know, and, and it really does make a big difference. And so you can't, it, it's easy to, and when you're in these slow seasons and you got all your stuff done, it's easy to go, well, I got my stuff done. I did my job. I'm going to go home early. And sometimes that's fine. Like go home, go home early, do something for yourself. But if that's your default and you never stop to think, how can I contribute to another part of the ministry? You're missing the point. Because this is not just about you students. Like this is about, there are going to be kids in the kids program that are going to be youth students. So, Hey, here's a thought, maybe take some time to invest into the person running the kids ministry. Cause guess what? You're going to have to have them coming up forward. There are students who are probably part of the young adult ministry or the adult ministry that used to be in youth ministry. How can you help contribute to those areas too?
0: You got, you know, parents of your youth students that are at your church that are benefiting from you know, the events that the women's ministry the men's ministry are doing. uh, I, I completely agree, not to get ahead of ourselves, but when it comes to the situation at our church, like I fully recognized and admit that I siloed off our youth ministry partially out of self-preservation mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And now that we are in this interim season, I am kind of un- trying to undo some of that. and And it's patterns that, you know, habits that you are... Yeah you you have to it's it's not an overnight thing necessarily. It's no. okay. I need to recognize this and I need to start to reverse the patterns. If if you have siloed off your youth ministry, uh you know, I think one of the big things for me was uh you know, getting back into the habit of like if somebody asks something of me, if somebody asks something of our youth ministry, somebody brings anything up, like your for Make your initial response be, okay, how can we make this work? Mm-hmm. Like, don't have your initial response be no. no don't have yeah. your initial response be, well, how is that going to impact me? Like, okay, how can we make this work? And and it's not to say you have to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Like, work it out. Think about all the details. And if it just isn't going to work, then it's just not going to work. Right. But make your first initial response. Okay, how can we make this work? Uh,
1: and then go into that. I love that. I love that. Uh, switching gears a little bit, uh, just another thing that might kind of this might be an indicator that maybe you're not doing enough. If you're counting your hours to make sure that you're getting close to what you ought to be doing, odds are you're probably not doing enough. Because if you're <laughs> if you if you're counting your hours, likely you're spending your hours doing something that's not inherently productive. And and here's here's just kind of again just just like a a general rule of thumb here we work in a church, right? Like we we work in a church, there's flexibility, there's freedom that's granted to us. All those things are really great. I've also just been challenged that, again, it, it comes back to, you gotta be responsible with what you've been given. You know, I think to myself, if I worked in a, in the business world, if I worked in in, in the corporate sector, um, I if I were during work hours, even if I were salaried, if my boss walked by and I was like just, watching TikToks and reels just casually. If I was just spending 30, 40, 50 minutes critiquing my fantasy football lineups, if I was doing... No, that one's allowed. Okay, perfect. I just yep. want to make sure. I, I want to throw that one out there as a test to see how that land with you. No, uh, we we
0: encourage not working any job. Right, yeah. If it is for the sake of your
1: fantasy football correct. Lineup. That the, You got to put your priorities straight. Yep. Um and again I'm not trying to be a dictator here. I'm not saying if you scroll Facebook or Instagram at church you're doing something wrong, but I, I think that there is a line there of if you are doing a lot of personal things on company time. I know it's weird to think of it that way in a church, but in in a lot of ways the church is a business. You're being paid a salary to get a job done and just because you can do uh your job flexibly, you need to be able to still work hard and be on task. That means, you know, still showing up on time. Like if you can come in willy-nilly and office hours aren't super enforced, great. Use that flexibility and freedom for good, but don't let it be lax where you're rolling in at 11 o'clock and you're out by two because you can. Like you, it, it, you don't want to see the church as a business, but there are real Dollars that are getting paid towards your salary that are given by people from your congregation to make sure you do that, don't do them a disservice by using company time for personal use uh, more than it needs to be done.
0: Yeah, I've always felt a great weight to what Derek just said. The, the idea that my salary is paid based on other people's generosity. Right. Uh, and, and that extends f- to, you know, my youth ministry budget as well. Sure. Like my budget for my youth ministry is also paid for by other people's generosity. And so I want to be an absolutely incredible steward of that. Um, but I like, I used to work with somebody who, you know, they would count their hours and, and work 40 hours to the minute as much as they could. And they refused to go over that. And I, I do think that there was, you know, some unhealthiness to that because for a couple of reasons, one, like there's no heart in that. Like in ministry, sometimes you're working more than 40 hours a week. Like you just have to accept that. Um, you know, if, if you are like, well, we have this extra event Uh, that's that I'll probably work on Saturday, six hours. So I'm not going to work any of those six hours earlier in the week. Well, if stuff is getting dropped, like if stuff just isn't getting done because of that, that's a problem. Sometimes you just have to work a little bit more. Sure. Uh, but the other issue with it was, uh, you know, and, and maybe this is just kind of a personal philosophy for me. But, and I don't know where I picked it up. I I heard somebody else do this and I, and I liked it for me. Uh, you know, hypothetically, I, I kind of say that Wednesday nights start at five o'clock for me because the the worship team starts showing up. We've got some adults that will help out with the worship team for Wednesday nights. Uh, you know, and, and so from five o'clock on Wednesdays until, you know, call it nine or Mm -hmm. or 10 o'clock, um, That four to five hour window, I don't count as a part of my... If if I were to count my hours, I wouldn't count that as a part of my work week because I have adult volunteers that work 40 hours a week And then on top of that, come and volunteer with our youth ministry. Right. And so I've never felt right about asking them to do that and not being able to, not being willing to do it myself. Sure. And and whether you are a youth pastor, a worship leader, a kids pastor, a lead pastor, wherever you fall in the church world, that's probably, you know, there's probably a level of truth to that for you. Uh, you know, you don't want to run the risk of of going too far with that. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, you know, there should be a level of service within the role Yeah. Uh, that is separate from I'm going to count these hours and make sure that, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I'm only working this amount of
1: hours a week. It just feels like there's no heart in that to me. Well, and... It- even from a psychological perspective, it's telling you to do the bare minimum. And I'm not saying you inherently are, but it's kind of like, I think of, I'm sure I'm not alone in this, but I love my job. Like I very rarely, Kyle, I don't know how you feel, but very rarely am I looking at my clock and going, oh, I gotta be here for another six hours. Like I, yeah. I, I can't remember the last time I looked at the clock and looked at, oh, how much longer do I have to work? Like yep. more often than not, it's like, crap, I only got two hours left, you know, like I got to get stuff done. Um, you know, but like, man, I worked so many high school jobs and summer jobs where it's like, oh my gosh, I got another five hours of this. I got another four hours and 57 minutes of this. I got another four hours and 52 minutes of this. Like, (laughs) like where you literally are looking at the clock every five minutes going, oh my gosh. Like, and it just, after a while, when you do that, you just, you hate it. You, you don't think big picture. You don't think like, how can I be a better employee here today? Uh, cause you're, you're just trying to get in and get out. And if, if that's the case, like after a while, it's going to impact how you just feel outside of your job performance, which probably is going to go down. Um, just overall, your satisfaction in your job is going to go down if you're constantly watching the clock. And, uh it just like like you said, it can just it can just kind of create some problems. Uh one other thing that I, I was just thinking about of like maybe you're not doing enough is when uh quite on this sounds overly simplified, but when you're justifying mistakes that shouldn't be made. Mm. You know, like when, when there are critical things that need to be done that are in your job description and they're not being done, you can justify them away. You know, like I know stuff comes up. I know uh, things happen, but if there are core pillars of your job that are being expected of you and you're not doing them to the satisfaction that they need to be done, that's a problem. And that might be an indicative, even just as much, of you're doing too much. Cause I've also seen that too, where it's like, hey, part of your job description is to do this, that, and that thing, but you're not doing them because you're doing this, that, and the other thing. Like, that's a problem. You yeah. know, like you need to be, you are at least with how we have our structure here every employee that we have here is given a job description of these are the things we're asking you to do. This is what we're agreeing to pay you if you agree to do these things. If you are justifying why those things aren't getting done over and over and over again, it's probably because there's a reason you're just not putting in the effort to get them done. And so... Um, Like I just I I know that seems like a very obvious and simple one, but if you are just not getting the stuff done that's asked of you, and you're coming up with excuses as to why it's not getting done instead of just getting it done, odds are you're not doing enough.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, there was a study done once where you know they they gave it was like the same task. Uh, you know, we're gonna make something up stupid like washing a car, sure. Uh, you know, like, hey, I need you to wash this car, you've got two hours to do it. Do you want to know how long it took those people to do it? Two, two hours. hours, yeah. And they took another group of people and they were like, hey, we need you to wash this car, you have 25 minutes. It took them 25 minutes to wash the car, mm-hmm. and so I think that you know, there's, there's a level of like, you know, the, the task expands to fill the time that it's given. Um, And so sometimes like depending on who your lead pastor is or who your boss is, it might take a little bit of self uh, starter in you to say, Hey, I, you know, here's the things that I am doing. And I think that I could do some of these things more efficiently and that would free up some time in my schedule to do some of the things that I've been putting off, yep. do some of the things that just haven't been getting done, start a new project. Uh, when, when your heart is really in ministry, you've got some things on the back burner that yeah. you wish you could do that you just haven't gotten You're to You're dreaming. Yet. Yeah. And so make time, mm-hmm. uh, figure out a way to, to make those happen.
1: Yeah. Uh, you, that, that jogged my memory, um, of, of that too. I, I think I've talked about this on the podcast, but, um, you know, if, if you truly want to see growth in your ministry, which I'm guessing if you're listening to a podcast about youth ministry, you odds are do. you probably do. And yeah, you probably, you probably understand this, but, um, If you if you don't create time to dream, odds are you won't. You know because a lot of times you don't have enough time. Um, And here's what I've learned is sometimes time is not easily, easily found. Like you will fill your time with something, either something productive or unproductive. You know, like if, if you're not doing enough, odds are you're still doing something with your time. It's just not necessarily contributing to your job or yeah. to your ministry. And so you have to schedule that time of dreaming else. It won't happen. Uh, so that just kind of you. that was a good point. Here's what I kind of want to say, Kyle, because I don't know how, how you, this is just kind of a general rule of thumb and please feel free to kind of poke holes in this, but this is kind of just a theme that I have noticed uh, as a whole is those who, when they when they see this title of this episode, they see this and they immediately hit the, the panic button like, oh, is that me? Here's, here's the dichotomy that I've kind of found. Those who don't think they're doing enough usually are. Those are usually the ones who are going, they're, they're hyper aware that they don't want to be doing an ill amount. you know, They don't want yeah. to be on that lazy side of things. Uh, those are usually the ones who are doing a great job if not going above and beyond. Not always, to hear me out on this, not always, but more often than not, those who truly are not doing enough think that they are. These are the ones who are going, well, I do this and I do that. So who are you to tell me that I'm not doing enough? You know, that is, that's that pride that comes back in and justification. Yeah.
0: And I think that that spe- I think you're right. And I think it speaks to uh, a growth mindset mm-hmm. and, and whether or not you have that. Like if you are, if you are constantly justifying, like, no, I'm, I'm doing enough. I'm doing enough. I'm, I have enough on my plate. Uh, I, I think that it, you're kind of talking yourself into, well, I, I don't have any more room mm-hmm. for anything, and I don't want to do more. And uh, there, you know, there's kind of a desire to just stay at the level that you're at. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I have bigger dreams than this you know, for this ministry or for this position. Like I, there's other things that I wish we could do that. I just don't feel like I have time for. Right. I, I, you know, that's, that's a growth mindset where, cause then that leads to, okay, you know, the dream has matured enough to where this is something that's well thought out and I want to put it into action or, or whatever it is. Like now I want to make time Mm -hmm. and I I really want to figure out how to make this happen. I think you're right. Um, here's a question for you because I thought of this question and I think it could be, I don't really have a right or wrong answer. Just fun that's conversation. Scary. I know. Right. Uh, the, whenever there's not an answer to a question, I feel like that's where rabbit trails are born. Well, it's
1: also, you're never wrong, but you're also never right either. That's
0: true. I no, you, you, you can, a lot of answers can be right answers. Okay. But I there like are that. definitely some wrong answers okay. to various questions where there's not technically a right answer. But anyways, uh, is there, like, if you think of a, a youth ministry, and okay. we will say, let's, like, we'll say there's a one full-time youth pastor yep. for a youth ministry. Like, is there an amount of events that they should do in a year? <sighs>
1: I I see why there's maybe not a right or wrong answer. Right? This is so variable.
0: And and, and I I set the question up for a reason as one full-time youth pastor. Yeah. Because if you are a part-time youth pastor, you have half the time. (laughs) Right. What? No. Shocking revelation! Yeah. Like you have, you are only part time, right? And so, I think the expectation is different, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to events. If you're a part time youth pastor, your primary focus should be the weekly, totally. you know, services or or bi weekly services, however you set it up. Yep, uh, that should be your primary focus. The other events that you do or whatever, those kind of come secondary. And so, for a youth ministry where you know you got one full time youth pastor. Uh, is there kind of a sweet spot of this is maybe how
1: many events you should have in a year? I would say there's a range, you know, because I think yeah. there are so many variables yeah. here. You know, if 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 you're a church that, because I've seen this play out, there are some event churches where people will flock to events. If, if there's an event happening, they'll be there. You know, and I've also seen churches where it's like, if you do an event, the same 95% of people that are there without an event will be there and you might get a family or two that's new, but by and large it's just the same and events yeah. don't trip their trigger. Uh, it could be uh, like a community feel too. If you, have totally. like, if you have like a church in a
0: small town, an event might have a big impact on the community yep. versus a, a, a suburban or urban church uh, might have a different feel to it. Yeah. It's just one
1: more thing in the milieu have different mm-hmm. things going on. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. Um, that said, I do think like if I was looking at a full time youth pastor painting a very broad brushstroke, I'd like to see probably three events every year that are so outside an- of another thing we should probably sorry.
0: Uh we should probably figure out what constitutes an event. Totally. Yeah. Because I like I see I see a mission team as an event. Oh yeah. I,
1: I was thinking of camp, you know,
0: like a camp, retreat stuff, like retreat. Yep. But I also see like uh, you do. What's it called? Secret church. Secret church. Yeah, yeah. that would be an event. Yep. Uh, you know that that'd be. Like that's like a one day thing, and it is honestly not a lot of work. Yeah, for for like me as a youth pastor, and so like there's there's a, a, you know that's worth bringing up as well. as there's a big range of what constitutes yeah. an event?
1: Here's here here's why I say three, and I'll kind of give give it a stipulation here. I I would like to see a youth pastor extend three to four events per year, with the expectation that. Every single person in your youth ministry has an option to go to a event. Here's kind of, that's the broad brushstroke umbrella. Here's what I mean by that. If you go to a mission team to Ecuador, odds are there are kids in your youth ministry that that's physically impossible for. Mm-hmm. Their family can't afford the expense. Their family doesn't feel comfortable sending their kids with somebody else across the country in a different continent, you know, for seven days at a time. They can't go to that event. Now they can go to a lock-in at the church after a football game for homecoming. Mm -hmm. That's going to go from, you know, I said lock-in, but it goes from, you know, 9 PM to midnight and it's a $5 entry. Odds are they can go to that, you know, at at least it's possible for them. And so the reason I say that is because like, Kids will naturally be in if they can feel part of something special, you know? Like regardless of how epic your Wednesday nights are, kids are so structured of they get up at this time, they go to school from this time to this time, they go from sports from this time to this time, they go from youth to this time to this time these things are structure and they thrive in structure. But when you can give them an opportunity to get outside of their structure and do something special, like an event, you naturally create more buy-in from Mm -hmm. them going forward. And you also kind of you just get them excited about their faith. It's it's something that they are, are owning themselves. Like this is something that they're choosing to do with their time. This is not mom and dad bringing them to just one more thing every week. This is them choosing to take their personal time to be there and they're going to naturally be more receptive to whatever that is. And so- yeah like um you know we've done we've done the fall retreat whether that's a youth convention or a, something else we've done a fall retreat obviously in the fall uh we what? have done no. I know it's just shocking
0: do you do a winter retreat too uh sometimes is that in the winter <laughs> no it's in the ah. spring early spring I'm next I'm gonna do like a summer retreat and schedule it in January just do it to mess with people
1: depending on what part of the country it's in it could we're a part, part of the world, world sorry Let's acknowledge yeah. all of our you know worldwide listeners yeah um, so like that's that, that's what I mean like is on 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 the one side, you have the major commitment, and then on the other side you have a three hour event at the church mm-hmm. open I to would, everybody so
0: i I would place you know you know three or four events out, outside of your normal. Uh, you know, I'd say most youth ministries, you know, their services are on Wednesday nights. Let's just call it that. Yeah. So outside of Wednesday nights Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, having a special Wednesday night, uh, like we do a big celebration with our big missions give, you know, we do frozen Turkey bowling, which is exactly what it sounds like. Epic. Uh, All of that, like, like that's still on a Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I'm not counting that as an extra event. Um, my my initial reaction is quarterly. Mm-hmm. I like is, that is is I would say the benchmark, and monthly is the absolute high end. Totally, uh, I would I would caution against. You know, hitting twelve
1: extra events in a year for so many um, reasons—burnout. Yeah, you just, it's naturally not as exciting. There, there's so many reasons why. More like, than I'm thinking about okay. So
0: uh, we have an event in January yep. uh, that we do on a Saturday night. Uh, we do not have one in February. We don't have one in March. We have two in April. We don't have one in May. We, June, we typically have two mission teams and then summer camp. So over the summer, we have three. Yep. Uh, So we're up to six. Uh, In the fall, we have our fall retreat.
1: So that'd be seven. Um, Yeah, I think we're at seven. Yeah. And knowing you and knowing you just, this conversation Seven alone's a lot to tackle for yeah, you personally. And, and there
0: are, I mean, you know, fall retreat, two mission teams, camp, like like some of these are bigger events. Yeah. Uh but we do, and, and you know, maybe every you know every year, every other year, there's another one that creeps in there. Sure, but I, I actually, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. I didn't know what that number was going to be when I started that <laughs> tangent.
1: But monthly is the absolute most. Well, I did yeah, 14 I'm, last I'm year. I'm sitting <laughs> over here like, oh man, I hope I
0: don't actually do monthly, otherwise that's going to be a problem. But I, I really don't like we. We've got um, like a basically a youth got talent. Uh, yeah, night that we do on a Wednesday night. Yeah, like, those kids are coming anyway. For sure. Uh I like I don't really count that as an extra event that sure. we do. Um and so for for the extra stuff, I'd like seven a year. I like that. They're mm-hmm. their work. Yeah. Um, if you are on the low side of that, maybe I encourage you to stretch yourself a little bit and come up. I mean like, during the summer, like, get kids together and go paintballing. Right. Uh, you know, have a movie night. Have, like, like it doesn't have to be a mission team. Yep. It doesn't have to be, like, your own retreat that you're doing everything for yourself. Uh, but having some of those, it, as long as there's
1: intentionality behind it, I think that's one of the big keys. Yeah. And I I I like pushing yourself to that because sometimes it's if you don't hit those quarter the quarterly I said three three or four events a year you can sit there and go gosh how am I going to start small you know Mm -hmm. like you don't have to jump into a major mission team like do uh we did a a go go night guys only girls only and so at our church we did like a four hour lock in where guys were on this side of the building girls were on this side our female leaders. Planned a night for the ladies doing the things that they enjoy. I planned the stuff for the guys. We did like some glow in the dark football. We did video games. We did a Nerf battle, blue light, all these different things. Like that realistically took very little planning because it's all stuff we had on hand. The building was already here. We purely put out promo, got here and did it. It was awesome, you Mm -hmm. know? So if you are finding yourself not doing enough events, Add one in that's small, that's easy. That could be a really easy win for you just to get the ball rolling. Yeah,
0: that's good. You got anything else, to add?
1: That's it, man. Do I, I, do
0: more. We're, we're do <laughs> do more. Make sure make sure that you are honoring the mm. position that you're in. Yeah. Uh, I th- I think that that's kind of how that that's my heart behind this episode. Is I don't ever want to you know feel like I am cheapening the role because God has called me to it. And it is funded by the generosity of our congregation. And there's a responsibility, a heavy responsibility that comes with that. And so I, I think that we as youth ministry leaders, as as pastors in general, we need to take that seriously. Yeah. Um, and and that does not involve a 25 hour work week on no. a regular
1: basis. Well, I mean, we, a lot of times we looked at this verse to validate like when people don't like our work, but at the same time, like this is a universal truth, Colossians 3 whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like we're working for the Lord, like even beyond what you just said. It
0: should be so obvious. Right.
1: Right, that in ministry, you're working for
0: the Lord. Right, but but, but that's
1: like, it gets one thing to honor because that's a real thing. Like you need to honor the generosity that's been given to you, but you don't want to be entrusted with this ministry and your boss, which is not your lead pastor, but almighty God, is sitting here looking, going like, man, this dude's lazy. Mm-hmm. This lady's lazy like that. I don't want that. I really don't. So like Colossians 3, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. That's something we got to take seriously. And, uh, you know, you got to balance these two things out. Go back and listen to episode 91 because you can you can oscillate. You can do too much, but you can also do not enough. And uh, just, just be spirit-led and sensitive because... I promise you the Holy Spirit will let you know where you're at. (laughs) Yeah, that's true.
0: That does it for today's episode. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Reminder, next week, we are starting in on a five-part series uh, going through all of the drama and the mess of my church situation. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, It'll be an honest conversation, like I said, but uh, I think it'll be... We're praying it's really helpful Uh, and that'll take us... we're, We're creeping up, man. Episode 100. Here we go. We appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. On behalf of Derek, uh, I think it's about time that uh, we go spend another 70 to 80 hours on our job. Goodbye. Goodbye.